0: so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same in Jesus' name amen come on slap three people high five right now and say it's about them rolling stones (laughs) amen 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 well open up your note sheet you have a clipboard there on your seat so you can put your note sheet in it and you can take notes with no stress strain or struggle amen all right so let's get going here well we started this year declaring that this would be a year of tremendous fruitfulness, the year 2019. Last year, I took the whole year to preach an entire year on breakthrough. And we received some, in- some incredible, in fact, it was incredible breakthrough Amen. last year. And we received some incredible breakthrough. We're sitting in one of the breakthroughs right here. Amen. Amen. God got me out of the Starbucks line. I had just just scheduled for us to start having church in a a, a, movie, a little movie theater. And uh, while I'm in, I had just signed the contract, just given him the check. And the Spirit of God says, go over to 1960 and, and, and look, at, look at your old space. And I'm like, well, I know there's somebody who's got it, but I'll go look. They had been out a week. I looked in the windows, and, and, and it was empty. God was speaking to me. It was time to act on my faith. And God, through tremendous breakthrough after breakthrough, got us in this place. Amen? So we're super excited to be here because you're sitting in our breakthrough. So last year was a year of tremendous breakthrough. Hallelujah. And now this year we have declared from the beginning of the year that this would be a year of tremendous fruitfulness that we would begin to kind of examine our lives and dig around our lives and look and see where is an area where I could do better. Let me let God work on me. Let him prune me. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Let, let him prune me. You know, sometimes we think God just wants to do bad to us or, you know, when something we go through an issue or a situation. I always say, God, what am I supposed to learn in this? Let me get it quick yeah. so I can move on out of this. But God wants us to be fruitful in our lives. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you, I anointed you. One translation says, I scheduled you to bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. So God chose you to live in this year, 2019, and he chose you to bear fruit and that your fruit would God kind of fruit, the God kind of fruit in your life. He says that if we'll meditate in his word day and night, he said, we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, ready to bring forth our fruit in its season. It says, our leaves will never fade or wither, and whatever we do shall prosper. Who signed me up for that? Amen. I want a life where whatever I do prospers. Amen. I don't have time for spinning my wheels. I just turned 56 this year. I got to get on, get on with it. Come on. I ain't got time for spinning wheels. I need to bear some fruit. I need my wheels to catch. I don't even feel that way. I, I'm raising I'm, up because I feel like I'm getting old. I'm not getting old. I'm just cute as I can be. <laughs> cute as I can be. But I, I don't want to miss out on one thing that God has destined me, for me to do. Not one thing. I want to bear that fruit, and I want fruit that remains. When I leave this earth, I want there to be people that I raised up. that that Because I received the gospel from my pastor, and uh, you know I received it back in 1994 when I got saved at the age of 31. I received the gospel then, and I've learned it. I've walked in it. I've learned to walk through hell and back and back again several times. I've learned how to walk. But you know what? When you walk with God, you don't walk by yourself. Amen. 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 And so I've learned to be fruitful. So I'm carrying this gospel and I'm wanting to impart it to another generation that'll take it like I did. Amen. And won't give up. Amen. I came to tell you this morning, don't quit. Don't stop. Don't give up. He chose you to handle the fruit of the gospel, to handle it, and to pass it off. We're living in some kind of generation, aren't we? What in the world is going on? What's the matter with these people? I can tell you, they need Jesus. And we got the answer. But see, with all this political correctness and all this, we're scared to open our mouths. But see, Jesus planted you here. He put you here to be full of power. Amen. Amen. And to tell people about Jesus. And we ought to be more radical. I just believe that there's just going to be a generation of Joshua's that are raised up that ain't scared. Amen. Wave at me if that's you. Just call me Joshua. I'm not scared. I'm a fighter. I'm ready to go in and take the land. Amen. All right, so, so we, we have a different topic for every month. So this has been about the Father's business, April. And if you go back and you read about where Jesus, we started out um, talking about how Jesus, when he was 12 years old, the first recorded words of Jesus, he said, he said, oh, because, because they had gone into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and when they left, they thought Jesus, his mom and dad, thought they were with him. And they got a day's journey out and realized, where's Jesus? Is he with you? I thought he was with you. No, is he? let me see if he's with his cousin. He's not with his cousins. Oh, my God, where is Jesus? They couldn't find Jesus. He wasn't there. And you know the panic that's in your heart when you can't find your child even for five seconds. So they, they went all the way back to Jerusalem, which took a whole nother day, looked for him for another day, and the next day they found him. And they found him in the temple talking with the priests and the scribes, and, and they were astonished at his knowledge of the word. At 12 years old, his mother said, Jesus, why have you done this? you scared us to death. What are you thinking? How could you have done this to us? And here's Jesus' answer right here. He said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? We got business to be about. Jesus had business to be about. And he was was serious about it. So he said, you don't hear from Jesus again for 18 years. I imagine Mary got him by the ear and said, boy, I don't know who you think you're talking to. (laughs) But you don't hear from Jesus again for 18 years. But the Bible says that he goes home and, uh, and, and he submits himself to them. And, uh, and he, it says that he grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and with man. So he grew up, amen? And he grew up in wisdom. And, and in favor with God and man. And then Acts 10.38, we, we find out what he did. You know, as he was baptized, he went in the wilderness. And he was uh, tempted for 40 days. And he comes in and he stands up in, in the temple and begins to preach. And then he goes out and begins to do miracles everywhere. Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who did what? Went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for, for God was with him. So he began his ministry. He selected him 12 for his posse, 12 12 homies, 12 friends, 12 disciples. He hand-selected them from all different backgrounds and all different walks of life. We have Judas who was sort of like an accountant, I think. Matthew was a tax collector. You got a bunch of fishermen in there. But you have them from all different walks of life. And, um, and he raises them up for three years. He's about the Father's business. He's going around healing people. Um, he, he lived with them, he, with these 12 disciples. He lived with them. He traveled with them. How many of you know you really get to know somebody when you travel with them? Yeah, you know all their habits. You know everything about them. So these men knew Jesus. Say they knew Jesus. He had only three years. Think about how short three years is. Three years for these men to take over the gospel or to take over the ministry and and to make sure that this ministry from these 12 knuckleheads, that it would go out into the world even millennials later, two millennials later, 2,000 years later. Here we are still talking about it. And still talking about them. Jesus had to do a lot of work in three years. I don't even know there was a lot of the father's business going on. Everything he said, he had to be aware. They're watching. Everything that he did, every habit that he had, he had to make sure that it all counted because he was raising up three—I mean, 12 world changers. So he was busy about the father's business. He had faith that he made the right choices in those men imperfect as they were, he knew that he'd chosen the right ones. Imperfect men, but chosen. Handpicked for the job. So they never, they had never, no one had ever seen anything like Jesus. Healing the sick. He got paralyzed people up and walking. He raised the dead, made eyeballs out of clay and spit. And put it in a man's eyes and made eyeballs. The guy must have been like, wait a minute, he just spit. Hold up. But the man blinked around a few minutes with them clay eyeballs until he could see. He did some things that were just absolutely unprecedented. Raised the, raised the dead. Made a deaf man here. Put his fingers in his ear and said, here. And the man heard. Man had a speech impediment. He said, okay, bring him here. And touched his tongue. Sometimes Jesus did some gross stuff. I'd be like, mm, I'm, good. Mm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm <laughs> good he fixed a speech impediment. Woman with the issue of blood. All she had to do was touch the hem of his garment. He stopped in the middle of an emergency to say, who touched me? And let this woman go on and on about how she spent all her money. I mean, they, they spent all their time with him. He talked to demons with authority and would say, get out of them and yeah, shut up. Yeah. Don't say nothing. Mm-hmm. He talked to them like he had authority. He fed 5,000 people. Yeah. On, Five loaves and two fish. Yeah. So he he lived his life of power in front of these men, and they began to say, "Is this the Messiah? Is this the one we've been waiting for? Is this the one?" And just a week earlier than Easter, they had hailed him the King of the Jews as he came in on the back of a donkey, as Scripture prophesied that he would. He came in on the back of a colt, a donkey that had never been ridden before. That was a miracle in itself. Fool with a donkey, you gonna get kicked. One that's never been ridden, you surely gonna get kicked. But he rode on the back of that colt just as calmly. They laid branches down, and they're like, it's finally here. See, they were under Roman occupation. Jerusalem, Israel, they were under Roman occupation. The Romans had come in. Y'all think what that would be like if the Chinese came over, and they've got machine guns on every one of our street corners looking at us like, what you doing? Think about what it was like for them under Roman occupation. There were there were soldiers, you know, centurions and soldiers that were around all the time watching over everything that they did to make sure Roman law was enforced. They could still be Jews and they could still do what they did. But they were under occupation and they were sick of it. They were ready for the Messiah to come and, and they could just see this is it. Jesus is going to overthrow these people. He's, this is the one with the power. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is him. It's got to be him. But just like he is with us, his mission was much bigger, Sylvester, than just overthrowing the Romans. He came to change the whole world. So it was much bigger than that. You know, just like always, we kind of set the bar too low. He's able to do so much more, but he told his own disciples what would happen. He said in Mark nine thirty one, for he taught his disciples and said to them, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed... He will rise the third day. So he told them, you've been warned. It's going to get ugly. So just like he said, he was betrayed. Arrested. Anybody ever been arrested? That's traumatizing. Arrested. Tried in a mock trial. Beaten. Beaten blindfolded and then hit in, the fa- hit in the head with rods. And they, they, they blindfolded him and hit him in the head with the rods after they put a crown of thorns on his head and pressed it into his scalp. They hit him on the head with, with the rods and said, Prophesy! While, they, while he's blindfolded, prophesy, who hit you? Was it me or was it him? Who was it? Who hit you? If you know everything. Crown of thorns, beard plucked out, put a robe on him and mocked him. Whipped him with the cat of nine tails. And in case you don't know what that is, it's a Roman scourging whip that had nine pieces of leather that were like string, but in the end they had pieces of sharpened bone and metal. So as it came down on his back 39 times, most people never lived past past that. And and it was said if you got 40 lashes, you surely would die. So he he was barely alive after that. And he carried the cross. They laid a big old heavy cross on his back, and he carried it. He fell three times. As he finally got there, I mean, this is after all the, all the disciples have forsook him. They've all fled. David, I mean, uh, uh, Peter's denied him. Just before all this happened, Peter said, Lord, I'm ready, I'm ready to fight with you. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to die with you. Jesus said, oh, really? He says, tonight before the rooster crows twice, you will have denied no, I me mean, three times. You sure about that, Peter? He said, even if everybody else forsakes you, I'm not going anywhere, Jesus. And I'm sure he meant it. I'll never leave you. I'll be right there with you. As soon as Jesus was arrested, Peter was gone. But he tried to hang out from outside and see what was going on. He was out by the fire, and they said, hey, you were with Jesus? He said, no, I wasn't. he said, yeah, your accent gives you away, dog. You was well, I seen you with him. I seen you when we were eating the fish and the bread. You, you, you passed yours out for my bastard. Of course, I'm ad libbing. But they recognized him, and then someone else said, "Yeah, you were with me." He says, "I don't know. I don't know. I don't know him." And then the third time, he cussed. <laughs> Peter was he was he was off the chain. <laughs> he said he said, I, I tell you, I don't know him." And right there, he said, Jesus' eyes and his eyes locked. He denied him. And then he heard the rooster crow. And Peter was grieved in his heart. But he'd seen seen—he'd seen all of that. Jesus is there on the cross. He's hanging there. They've pierced his hands, his feet. He's been hanging there. He's, he's said, my God, my God, Aaliyah, the Sabaxanaxani, why have you forsaken me? God had to forsake him because he was taking on the sins of the world, all the imperfections, all the unrighteousness, all the wrong things, all the bad choices, all the stupid stuff, all the dumb days, all those things we did what we wanted to do. He was taking on the sins of the whole world, all the stuff that you don't even want to talk about, all the stuff that other people do, the things that that you even point your finger at other people because it's worse than what you did. All the sins, all the freaky stuff, all the terrible stuff, all the horrible things, the worst things you can think of. He made him to be, no, be sin who knew no sin. He took all the sins of the world on himself on that cross. The Bible says he was marred more than any man. He didn't even look human as he hung there dying on that cross, blood running down. They all forsook him and fled. But as he hung there on that cross in John nineteen thirty, he said, it. Is finished. And bowing his head. He gave up his spirit. Nobody took it. He gave up his spirit. He said father into your hands. I commit my spirit. The work was finished. The father's business. Was finished. The work of redeeming you and me. Was finished. Almost. So then the. The, can fled. the women and John were there at the cross. They saw the brutality, the finality, the earthquake, the darkness, the body, the spear. They took him down and they hurriedly laid him in a tomb. And then Mary and Salome were there. Mary and Mary and Salome, they were there. They were leaning against the, tr- the tomb as it took several men to roll this huge, huge stone in front of the door. It was over six feet tall and a foot thick. It weighed tons. And they rolled it over in front of the door. And, and to make sure that the disciples wouldn't come in and steal his body and say he was raised when he really wasn't, they put a seal on it, a Roman seal, so they could tell if it had been messed with. And then they set guards outside of the tomb, Roman guards, to make sure that the disciples or nobody would come and do it. The, 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 the rabbis went and said, you know, we just want to make sure that, this, that, that, that you know, things don't get worse by him saying he was raised. So they put guards there. It looks like an impossible situation. Jesus is in the tomb. Mary and Mary and Salome are there, and they see the tomb. It takes several men to roll it in front of the tomb. so they they watched it. Roman guards were there. The seal was on it. It was ugly, it was brutal. it was so fast. They were in shock. They were disappointed. They were sick to their stomach. They were grief-stricken. Think about how the disciples felt. They were ashamed that they hadn't done anything. They were confused. They were afraid. These imperfect people were feeling all the things that we feel. This Friday night was ending. The Sabbath had begun, and they, began, they had to rest an entire day on Saturday. They had to rest. It's, a, it's illegal. They had to follow the law. It's illegal. Illegal. You can't go anoint his body. You can't do anything. You've got to just sit and rest on the Sabbath day. But remember, Sunday's on the way. All the places he shed his blood brought victory to our lives. And you know what? It's hard to see victory like you can't see the forest for the trees. It's hard to see the victory and all that brutality. But Isaiah says in 53, 4, verse 5, he says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Those stripes from that cat of nine tails that came down on his back 39 times, by those stripes we are healed. They weren't just happenstance. They weren't just coincidence. It was for our healing. then as they buried him in that tomb, our sins were buried forever in that tomb. That's your first blank. Our sin is buried with Christ. It was buried in that tomb. Our sin is buried. He has taken our sin so far away from us. He's cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. It's so far away. He remembers them no more. Amen. The old song we used to sing, live and he loved me. Die and he saved me buried he carried my sins far away rising he justified me freed me forever one day he's coming back gonna be a glorious day hallelujah so rising he justified me so now he has to get up come on Jesus has got to get up he's got to get up so I can live so I can live a new life in Christ so I can have eternal life Jesus has got to get up so we can so we can get up amen so let's look at number two rolling stones Now it's Sunday morning. Very early, the disciples are still grief-stricken and afraid. But three brave ladies got up early. As a matter of fact, it was the three that watched the stone roll in front of the door. Mark 16, 1 through 3. I saw something this year I would never seen before. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, the one Mary Magdalene, was not the one who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. Mary Magdalene had like seven or eight demons yeah. that Jesus cast out. She was a wealthy woman, and she used to support his ministry. So when they called Mary Magdalene on TV, the one, that's the, that's the wrong one. They said she was a prostitute. Well, it was not her. It was not her. She had a whole bunch of other demons. Okay, Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of James and Salome, they bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll, roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? So here we have these three ladies with their spices. We'll call them the Spice Girls. Here come the Spice Girls. And they're making their way back to that tomb. But they, they know how heavy the stone is. And they know they're not going to be able to roll it away. But I saw something really cool. That didn't stop them from going. That didn't stop them from walking. That didn't keep them from going to do what they had set out to do. So in the midst of disappointment, they still went to the place where their dream had just died. They were still willing to go to do the best they could with the faith that they had. Now, if they really had faith, they'd have brought an outfit for Jesus to wear out. Come on, think about it. (laughs) If you were really in the right kind of faith... You would have brought him something to wear. As said. Right? But they brought spices to anoint his body. Why? That was all the faith they had. But at least they were doing something. Where was Peter? Where was John? Where was Thomas? Where was everybody else? At least these girls are going to the tomb. Everybody else is still afraid and hiding out. Well, At least we can do what we can do. So one thing I saw about this is that their faith was what it was. At least they were doing something. So number one, we have to remember this. In our most disappointing times, come to God with the faith that you have. Come with what you've got. He said, if you just have a mustard seed of faith, faith the size of a mustard seed. Anybody ever seen a mustard seed about the size of a pinhead? Mustard seed faith can move a whole mountain. Can tell a tree to be root a whole big tree, not a bush, not just a little weed, a whole tree. Get up and move. Just a mustard seed of faith. So your faith can do awesome things. So even when it when we're disappointed, that's the hardest time to get back in faith, isn't it? It's hard to brush yourself off and say I'll believe again. We thought we thought he was the Messiah, but you know, at least I'll go anoint his body. So they went with the faith that they had. They kept coming, knowing. There was still something in their way. Have you ever felt like there was something in your way? Something you needed to move? God, if you don't move this thing out of my way, I 'm not going to get anywhere. It could be depression, it could be money. It could be a situation, just a situation, a person, it could be another person's sorry attitude. Coworker. This on your last nerve you despise going to work every day. Somebody in authority over you. God, if you don't move this, who will move the stone? Your faith is high, but there's just something in your way. You do what you can do, and God'll do what He can do. Do what you can do. Bake that hateful co worker some cookies. Humble yourself and do something kind. Amen. Do what you can do, and God will do what he can do. All things are possible if we can just believe. Mark 9, 23, if you can believe, some things are possible to him who believes. Is that what it says? Does it say some things? What does it say? Will y'all please put a big circle around all things are possible to him who believes. I believe the girls are going to get the stone moved away. What do y'all think? Number two, God is able to work out what you're worried about. Here's the good news gospel this Easter is that God is already working out what you're worried about. God is already behind the scenes working on it. God had already scheduled that that stone to be rolled away. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask, Or think according to the power that works in us. Hallelujah. So he's able to do it. He's able to do even more than we could think, dream, or imagine. He's able to do more. If I could just get myself in faith and keep going. That's the thing. They kept going. They didn't say, well, we're just three women. It's early in the morning. The sun just barely did come up. There's not going to be anybody to help. We can't move the stone. What are we going to do? Just sit there? I could sit there and look at you at home, Salome. You know, sound like you're named after a deli meat. God is able to do more. Amen? Amen. They went and they and they they kept going when they they could have turned back around. So number three, God already has your miracle in motion. Amen. Don't ever doubt that God's not busy doing something. When you're praying, and if it matters to you, let me tell you, it matters to God. If God's cares, if god got your hairs numbered in heaven, don't you think he's, he's, he's paying attention to details that are a little more important than that? Yeah. Amen. If he sees every sparrow that falls from the sky, there's not one sparrow that falls that he doesn't see and know about altogether. And he says, aren't you more important than the sparrows? He knows what you need. He knows what's going on. And if you'll just keep coming towards him with the faith that you have, Even if it's just a little bit, just keep on coming. I'm telling you, your miracle is already in motion. Matthew 28, 2 through 4, it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake. So here's the girls. They're walking. They're on their way. They're like, hold up. You feel something? I feel a little something. An earthquake. The ground started to rumble. And a full-on earthquake. There was a great earthquake. Not a little one. A great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow as the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Now, wait a minute. If we already established that the stone was five to six feet tall and the the angel sat on it, we're talking about a big old angel. I'd have been scared too. (laughs) But while they were walking, the point is, God was working. There was already an angel that was sent to meet them there at the same time. 1 Corinthians two nine it says, I has not seen. I'm telling you, he'll do the same thing for you behind the scenes. God will move heaven and earth to make sure that you're taken care of. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has has prepared for those who love Him. Would you underline has prepared? God has prepared some stuff for you. He's prepared some miraculous things for you to move some stuff out of the way for you. And I came to tell you that this Sunday morning that the stones still roll. Amen? The stones in your life, the things that are that are barriers in your life, God can move those stones right out of the way. Stones will still roll this year, 2019. God is moving stuff in your behalf. He's moving the heavy stuff, the stuff you can't move. See, you do what you can, and God will do what he can. He takes your natural, and he brings his super to it, and then you got supernatural. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. He's moving the heavy stuff. And then number four, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not in progress. You better believe that there's some things that go on in the spirit realm. See, we're here in the natural realm, but the realm that we cannot see is the spirit realm that's all around us. I'm telling you, there are angels in there. There, there, um, the spirit of God is there. That is where your answer comes from. God begins to move behind the scenes in the spirit realm till it manifests in the natural realm. Look at Hebrews 11:1. Now faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just because you can't see how. <laughs> Just because you can't see how. Doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan. You might not be able to see a way. But our God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He said, I'll put a river right through the desert. I'll put a road in the wilderness. I'll do whatever it takes to get your answer to you. I just need, give me something to work with. God said, just give me a little faith. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. When God had called me into the ministry, just a little background on myself. I was abused as a teenager And uh, uh, by my father, my father was was horribly abusive. He used to hit me in the face and call me stupid. We had bruises all over us. We would. I mean, he was physically abusive. He held my sister by the ankles and kicked her in the face until I thought he would kill her one day. It was It was horrible abuse. Um, So I ran away and and I wasn't I didn't have, uh, you know, a place to live. Sometimes sometimes I'd sleep in a car. I'd sleep on a porch or I'd sleep in a laundromat that was warm in North Carolina in the winter. But I just did whatever I had to do to make it. I had a a rough upbringing. So I didn't get to finish high school, um, didn't get to go to college, anything like that. But as soon as I was able to get a job, I worked for Ola Mills Portrait Studio. I was a, 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 a telemarketer. One day they came back and said, our photographer just quit. Would you like to try to be the photographer? I'm like, me? They said, yes, you. So they got me in there and gave me a test. I just had to focus and frame on a stuffed monkey. Somehow my brain worked it out because it was upside down and backwards in the camera. I'm like, okay, I did it. Somehow I did it. And somehow God had deposited a gift in me I didn't know was there. That I, that I had a gift that I didn't know God had already prepared something and had put it in there for me. So I became a photographer. I became a very good photographer. And in a few years after I'd worked for another studio, I had worked for eight years for someone else. One day I said, wait a minute, I can do this for myself. I can make in one day what I'm making for him in a whole week. So I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be out of here. So I paid payments for a camera. Come on, somebody, you got to just walk towards your dream. Do, m- make a way. Do, do what you got. Do the hard stuff. Make payments on something. Go to that class at night. you got to do the hard stuff to make it happen. But I, I, got, a, I got a camera. And uh, long story short, I started a studio, which ended up being hugely successful over in Old Town Spring. Anybody know where Old Town Spring is? My studio was in Old Town Spring. I was a master at photographing children. Very, very good at it. Was making some serious money. How you like me now? The homeless girl. How you like me now? How you like me now? Amen. God is good. My studio was doing very well. But in 2003, God called me into the ministry. And I would go to that studio. Though I was successful, I was not satisfied because there was something else in me that God had put that I never even knew was there, just like I didn't know photography was. I didn't know there was ministry in me. But I decided i got to sell this studio. The moment I walked in, Kenta, my son, was with me. Wait so everybody sees who my baby is. He was with me, and we walked into the studio. And uh, the moment I walked in, I said, my heart is not here anymore. I've got to sell this place. The moment I said it, the phone rang. And there was a young lady I had mentored from, from spring high school to do photography, and she was in high school. She, so I, I picked up the phone, and normally I'm never there after hours, and normally I never answered my phone. I have a staff who, who answered my phone. But I answered the phone. Something said, answer the phone. So I answered the phone, and I picked it up. And, and this young lady said, do you remember me? It's Holly. She said, I heard you were selling your studio. <laughs> like I just now decided I am, I am. She goes, well, my aunt has been telling everybody that she's buying your studio. Oh, y'all better see it here. What, what what happened? See, I didn't see anything happen. It wasn't even on my, on my radar that I was ready to sell it. I just knew I wasn't satisfied. But God already had a woman who already was ready to buy it. He was behind the scenes rolling the stone. Come on. Behind the scenes, he was rolling the stone. And within 30 days, she had the keys, I had the money, and I was out of the photography business, and I've been in the ministry ever since. Just because you can't see how Doesn't mean that he's not working And he's not doing something God is in the business of rolling those stones for you Especially when he's pushing you towards purpose He's a real God I came to preach a real God today An alive God today Who's ready to move stuff in your life That needs to be moved Change stuff He's ready to change you That was one of the hardest things he ever did Was to change me (laughs) That wasn't easy That was easier to sell the studio Than it was to change me I was a mess After all that abuse and all those things that I've been through, I was a mess, but that was a stone that God kept rolling. He didn't stop until he got me polished. Amen. He's still polished, and he's still working on me. Every now and then I get a sandpaper experience. Ouch. Okay, okay. But he's God. How many of you know? He's the potter. We're the clay. Have your way, Lord. We can't just sing. I surrender girl. I surrender and then go home and do what we want to do and throw the Bible on the back seat till next week. He's a living Jesus. He wants to live with you all day, every day and walk you into new levels in your life. Amen. So number five, God says, when you do what you can do, I'll do what you cannot do. 2 Corinthians twelve nine says, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He says, I'll help you raise those kids. I'll help you through that infirmity. Help is on the way. I came to tell you today that help is on the way. And here's the really cool thing about salami. I mean, Salome, Salome, Mary and Mary. Here's the really cool thing. It was never really about the spices because Jesus wasn't there. It was never about the spices, but their faith was at spice level. So God used Spice Level to send three women out to preach the gospel for the first time. It was about them preaching. It was about these women who were brave enough to get up and go so that they could go and take the message back to Peter. Take the message back to John who was sick, heartbroken. To take the message. These women were chosen. They thought it was about spices. It wasn't about the Spice Girls. It's about raising up those girls to get them them to know the truth and to to know that he was resurrection. They were critical to the resurrection story. You know, isn't it something? I've seen this so many times. You probably have too. that, That when you finally get to the miracle, God's already moved on somewhere else. When they got there, Jesus was already gone. He said, look, tell them I'll be in Galilee. Come find me. He had already moved on to the next level. So it wasn't about hanging out at the tomb and just rejoicing that he's alive. Come on. Father's business. Got a little more work to do. Got a little bit more work to do. Come and find me. Come and find me. He's always a step ahead of us, isn't he? I'm talking about a real relationship with a real guy who really loves you, who really knows you, who really cares about everything about you. These women were critical to the resurrection story because they were chosen, not just to anoint him. Wonder what they did with the spices. <laughs> Y'all want to buy these back? Uh, we need a refund. <laughs> but they were. They, it wasn't about spices. Matthew twenty-eight five through seven. Then the angel spoke to the women. There's nothing to fear here. The, the soldiers were like dead men on the ground, and they're still standing there looking at the angel. Angel spoke to the women. There's nothing to fear here. I know you're looking for Jesus, the one who nailed, the one they nailed to the cross. He's not here. He was raised just as he said. Come look at the place where he was placed. Now get on your way quickly and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead. And here's how Mark said it. He said, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. And there you'll see him. And and as he said, there you'll see him as he said to you. I just think it's wonderful that he said, tell the disciples and Peter. Peter was the one who looked him in the eye and said, I don't know him. Cussed and said, I don't know him. Woo! That lets me know he can use me too. He doesn't choose perfect people. He chooses people, the lowly things, the foolish things of the world, to confound the wise. Hallelujah. Woo, that takes the pressure off. I don't have to try to be be perfect, amen. He likes me just like I am. I don't have to copycat or try to be like someone else. He picked Sally with all my weird accent and all my weirdness and all my whateverness, blonde hair, the whole thing. He picked me, amen, and he picked you with all your flaws. Wait, don't just look at me and say, Sally's got flaws. Y'all got flaws too. And he, and he picked us all. He chose us all. And 50 days later, talking about Peter, the one who failed the loudest. I've picked him to preach the loudest on the day of Pentecost. I want him to be the trophy the tri- of my triumph. I want Peter to be the trophy of my triumph and transformation. Peter was a different man when he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He was a different man. Jesus met him in Galilee there on the shore Jesus was on the shore, and and it's just like Peter, right before they finally found Jesus, Peter said, I'm going fishing. (laughs) The other one said, we're going too. (laughs) So they jumped in the boat, and they go out fishing. They don't catch anything. And Jesus sees them from the shore as they're pulling in. He said, hey, have you got any fish? No, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. Jesus says, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat. You'll catch some fish on that side. They threw the net over, so many fish they, could, they couldn't bring it. They had to jump out of the boat and drag it to the shore. 156 fish. The Bible records even how many fish they caught. 156, that would be a good day, wouldn't it, Kenta? My son loves to fish. That would be a good day. Dr- drug them up onto the shore. And there was Jesus on the shore. And he had made some bread and grilled some fish for him for breakfast. And he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed Feed my lambs. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, Lord, why do you keep asking me that? I told you, I let you know that I love you. But Jesus gave him three times to say, I love you. I know you. I love you and I know you. I love you. He gave him a chance to, to take back the denial Wow. Ain't Jesus awesome? Wow. And so, failure is not the end. It's the hinge that swings the door of God's grace wide open. And he had already told him he'd rise again on the third day. This is something right here. He'd already told him that he'd rise again on the third day. But isn't it just like us sometimes that we can allow the disappointment of the moment to make us forget what he said? Sometimes we forget that His Word said, wait a minute, I, I'm, more than a, I'm more than a conqueror. Why am I all down in the dumps? Wait a minute, I'm an overcomer. Why am I frustrated? Why am I upset? Yeah. Let me just speak God's Word. We get in the frustration of the moment and we forget what He said. He had told them, I'm going to rise again. He had told them. seems like they should have been just having a campfire outside the tomb wave at the soldiers every now and then he's coming out don't know how but he's coming out but they forgot in the disappointment in all the mess and all the 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 being upset about it they forgot that's why Jesus um, instituted the the last supper but but I have a rock for everybody today I want everybody to take home a rock because I just want you to remember that God is in the business of rolling rocks and you know, the things in your life That need to be rolled. The things that need to be moved. I just want you to have a remembrance. But if I could have my ushers go ahead and pass out communion. You know when Jesus instituted the last supper. He said I want you to do this. As often as you eat or drink. In remembrance of me. I don't want you to forget when you get frustrated. I don't want you to forget when things look bad. When it looks like there's no way out. When it looks like the stone is too heavy. When it looks like things are just whacked out in a mess. When things look bad. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. That's what communion is all about, remembering. He said, I want you to do it as often as you eat or drink. You don't just have to do communion at church. You, you can do communion at home in your kitchen. You can do communion sitting at your desk at your office. You don't even have to get loud. You don't have to say shun shout hallelujah, or run or roll on the floor. You just have to say, Jesus, I remember your body. I remember your blood. I remember that you, you you rolled that stone away. And you know what? Jesus didn't even need the stone rolled away. He had a glorified body. He could walk through walls and eat breakfast. It's going to be something. And you know what the wonderful part of resurrection is? Is that it lets us know that one day we're going to have eternal life. One day we'll have, there will be a bodily resurrection for all the saints of God. That we'll be reunited with our spirit, our body, and our spirit will be reunited. That's why I just did a funeral for Vicky's mom uh, just this past week on Wednesday. Was it on Wednesday? On Wednesday, and uh, they the the uh, I don't call him the undertaker, but is that what you call him? <laughs> the undertaker. That's a horrible word. What do you call him? Funeral director. Funeral. That's better. Undertaker. Isn't he a wrestler or something? Yeah, but. But he, um, he pointed out that all the tombs faced east, and it was very important that they get her feet situated fo- facing the east so that on Resurrection Day, all the Christians want to be facing east because Jesus is coming from the eastern sky. He's coming again. Amen? He's coming again. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the trump of God will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed We caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Amen. The older I get, the more excited I get about that. When I was young, I was like, wait, can you just wait, Jesus? Just wait a little bit. All right, so if you would peel back and take the little wafer out. The wafer is is thin and slim because it's symbolic of the... um, unleavened bread of passover and jesus is our passover lamb so just hold on to the little bread and let's just remember his body remember what he did for us amen all right is everybody ready you can't get yours terry help your help your girl out He's not getting his either. You're struggling too, Daddy. <laughs> Anybody else struggling? Y'all got yours open? You can't get yours open? Well, we'll give y'all a minute. Don't panic. <laughs> Hold on. It's kind of it's kind of hard. Let your neighbor help you. We need to get some children to come open them, right? Even those child-proof kids can open right up. (laughs) All right, did we get it open? Pastor Robert, can you come help? Did you get it? You got it? You got yours too? Okay, everybody hold up the bread. Let me see if you got it. Everybody get it? You still struggling, Tarina? He got it, okay. All right, let's just hold up the wafer and let's just remember. He said, I don't want you to forget. Peter and him forgot what he said. Amen. We don't want to forget. We'll never forget. Amen. Lord Jesus, Father God, we just lift up this bread right now. And we remember as we remember as the Passover and the the new covenant that uh, was instituted. He said, "This this is the communion and the new covenant that will be in my blood. You said, take and eat all of you. This is my body, which is given for you. Lord, as we heard today about the scourging, about all that you took on your body, the, the whipping, your beard plucked out, you, you sweat great drops of blood for our peace we thank you as we remember what your body did for us. You became poor that we might become rich and abundantly supplied. We thank you for all that you did, Jesus. And we remember your body. We remember that you hung on that cross. We remember the pain. We remember the shame. We remember the agony. We remember it all right now. We remember that you that you said by your stripes we would be healed. That there would be a power that would come on our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we declare the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And every part of our body that is out of line, we declare right now in the name of Jesus, you better line up. We command you, line up. For Jesus paid the price. It is the children's bread to be healed. So we declare healing. I speak every person under the sound of my voice. I say, be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed every bit whole in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. We remember your body now. Amen, receive. <coughs> then after supper, he took the cup. I'll give you just a second to peel the cup away. It should be a little easier. After supper, he took the cup. He blessed it, and he gave it to him, and he said, "Take and drink all of you, for this is my blood given for you for the forgiveness of sins." Jesus bore every sin we'd ever forget, past, present or future. He paid the price for it all, everything. He doesn't take the memory away from you, and that's why the devil traumatizes you with it. But the Bible says, we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You've got to say, you know what? When he reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Remind the devil of his future, that he has none. Amen. Amen. So, Lord Jesus, we remember your body. We remember your blood. We thank you that because you gave your life's blood, because you died on that cross, we could be forgiven and put back in right relationship with God. We have eternal life. We have a new life. We're raised to a new life. With you, we become a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Our lives are never the same again. So, Lord, we thank you that we're living out that new life today and every day, God, that you're living through us, that we're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live yet. Not I, but Christ lives in me and the life we now live in the flesh. We live by the faith of the son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. We receive it and we remember your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Can you just say thank you, Jesus, this morning? We thank you for doing what we couldn't do for ourselves. We thank you for dying a death for us that we could never die for ourselves. God, thank you that we have eternal life with you, that we've been put back. We've been justified. We've been put back in right relationship because you raised from the dead. We are justified. Thank you, Lord, for freeing us forever. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah, come on and receive. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Um, can I get Kenta, Sylvester, get a couple people to grab some of these rocks and pass them out to you guys. I want everybody to have a rock. Just as a little, it's just a rock, but, it, but it's more than a rock. It's something to help you remember. Timothy, what's your friend's name? Andrew. Andrew, can you come help pass out rocks too? Christopher, can you come help too? Oh, you got a Willie? Okay, there you are. You can put it in your pocket. You know, even just like this week, it wouldn't be a bad idea to just carry it in your pocket. Just to remind you, you know what? God is behind the scenes, and he's rolling those rocks away. He's rolling those stones away. He's doing those things I can't do for myself. Amen. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen. Remember that that angel, remember that earthquake, remember that lightning flash, that stone rolled away. Whew. Forget my hearing. All right. Now let me get everybody to come back to order really quickly. Everybody to come back to their seats after you've gotten your rock. All my ushers. Did everybody get a rock? We get these last couple of rocks passed out. I knew God was going to make it all work out. Did y'all get your rock? Did y'all get you the rocks? Okay, praise God. All right. Now, everybody in here, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word that we've received today, this resurrection word. God, we we just worship you for being alive, for being in every, every area of our lives. We're just so grateful that you're with us. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. You said you'd be with us even to the end of the age. We haven't come to that end yet, so we know that you're with us. Where two or three are gathered together, there I am among them. So, God, we just thank you that you're here with us and you'll never leave us or forsake us. Now... We declare that this word that's been spoken into our hearts today, we just declare a hundredfold return in Jesus' name. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Sally, I'm not right with God today. I'm not right with God, but I want to be right with God. I don't want to be outside. I want to be in the family of God. I want to turn my life around. I want to give him all. I want to surrender everything I have to him so I can have the God kind of life, this life where I'm in faith and he's moving mountains for me. You'd say, Pastor Sally, I'm not right with God, but I want to be right with God. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. Very simple prayer. I just want to lead you in that prayer. And I promise, when you pray this prayer, God is listening to every word. And you'll be a different person. You'll never be the same again. You'll be a new cre- create creation. Your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You'll begin this new life with Him in it. You may have lived before without Him, but never with Him In your heart. With you every moment of every day. Let me just lead you in this prayer. Say father. I confess to you. That I am a sinner. I have messed up. Sometimes on purpose. And sometimes I'm sure I just didn't know. But I'm sorry for my sins. I believe. You sent Jesus. To die on that cross. In my place. He was innocent. But he died. To pay for my sins And the sins of the whole world And Father I believe that you raised him from the dead On the third day And he's alive today Jesus I'm making a commitment to you Come into my heart And into my life Be the Lord of my life Teach me, guide me Fill me with your Holy Spirit I'm trusting you alone To save me In Jesus' name. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, you've got to let somebody know. Nobody gets to sneak into heaven. You've got to let somebody know. And so what I'd like for you to do is just take the connection card that you filled out or maybe you haven't filled it out yet. Let me get you to go ahead and fill it out. And on the back, there's a place where you can simply put a check mark that says, Yes, I choose Jesus. And you're going to turn it in with Pastor Carolyn right in the back here. She's back there already waiting for you. And uh, she's going to receive your card from you and give you your special gift. Now, you've got to let somebody know, and then listen, you need a church. If you don't have a church, listen, there are other churches, but there are none greater than Acceleration Church. You ought to make this your church home and and become a member of Acceleration. How do you become a member? Just come. Come. Just come like the rest of us and just be here. Amen. Get plugged in. We have classes for you on Sunday morning starting at 930. Pastor Carolyn is one of our teachers of firm foundation class. It will give you a solid foundation in God's word. It's so important that you begin to learn his word and build a life on his word. Amen. So um, it's important that you do that. It's important that you come to church. It's important that you fellowship with other believers. You know, make some friends in church. Amen. And hang out with people that, uh, that love God too. Amen. All right. So um, be sure and turn in your card. And listen, if you, if you uh, made that decision today, I want to talk to you myself and talk to you, uh, pray with you, let you know about what your next steps are and what you should do. So be sure and write your phone number on there so I can read it so I can call you myself this week, okay? All right. Well, it's offering time. All right. Well, we're getting ready to give. This is our time in our service where we give our uh, Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And uh, there are several ways you can give. You can use the offering envelope that was there in your note sheet or in your, what do you call it, welcome packet. (laughs) Or you can give right from your seat on your cell phone. I believe the best way to give is to download the Acceleration Church app. Does this still work, Kevin, this? This does? Okay. So you can give this way, right from your cell phone. Just text ACCELERATION to 77977, and it will send you back uh, a little thing that you fill out. You know Yeah, you know, it's an app, but it'll send you acceleration yeah. <laughs> exciting features, including sermon notes, where you can view the notes and Bible verse references from previous sermons. And sermon audio. Here you can listen to recordings of previous teachings by Pastor Sally and others. And now you can give your offering right from your phone using the give button. You can also access an online Bible right from the app in your prayer request and praise reports, choose from many different departments to serve in, sign up for one of our powerful classes, and much more. Download for free from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store today. Today. <laughs> we love that today. Okay, so um, we can get ready to give if you're ready. Let me give you a minute. Some of you are probably still trying to figure it out. Wave at me if you're still trying to figure it out on your phone. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we, it's our custom here to make a faith declaration over our giving. So we're going to put it up on the screen. We're going to make a faith declaration. All right. Amen. All right. Here we go. Y'all ready? All ready Hold your offering up or your phone up or however you gave today and let's say it like we mean it. Father, in Jesus' name, today is the dawning of a new day. My season of frustration and lack is over and I am walking in a season of love, joy, peace, success, overflow, and prosperity. My love for you, relationship with you, and sensitivity to you is growing closer every day. Favor and wisdom for promotion is mine now. Blessed to be a blessing. I'll be quick to see the need and respond to your voice. Because you have planted Acceleration Church here, Humble Texas is experiencing revival. I decree that the Spirit of God is drawing multitudes here from the north, south, east, and west. People are responding to your presence, power, and purpose for their lives. We declare that people of all ages, backgrounds, and ethnicities are being impacted forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Find me something good. All right.